We believe the Bible. The Bible is an amazing book. It's written over 1,600 years by 40 different authors in three different languages. About six civilizations are captured, their history, in the one book we call the Bible. I was talking with someone in the neighborhood. I love visiting in the neighborhood. I was knocking on doors and I, they said, what do you believe at that church? I said, well, we believe the Bible. They said, oh, I, I don't believe the Bible. I said, have you ever read it? No. I said, well, I have and I believe it, so I don't know about uh, where you're coming from, but I'd suggest reading it. So we are studying the Bible. Now, most churches study the Bible, but, but I mean, we are studying the Bible. We are taking one book each Sunday. And this, this morning, it is no accident that we come to the Gospel of John. There are four Gospels. The first three were written about 65 to 70 A.D. Then there was about 20 to 25 years that went by, and John, perhaps the youngest of all the disciples, we know he was younger than James because Jesus called James and John. John was the younger brother. But John may well have been absolutely the youngest, the kid on the block. It may be why Jesus took him under his wing a little bit more. He was in the inner circle. He was the one who, when they were chilling out after dinner, he rested his head on Jesus' chest, on his shoulder, like a kid brother. John, we know, outlived all the other disciples. He lived beyond the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. John wrote about 90 A.D. But John had a little different perspective. All four of the Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each bring a different truth to bear about Jesus. None of them contradict each other, but they enhance. Almost like producing a top-quality film and running four different camera angles to capture this one life of Jesus. And John's Gospel contains the greatest news ever announced about the greatest person who ever lived who can have the greatest impact you can imagine. And unlike some other Gospels, John is easy to figure out exactly why it was written. In chapter 20 of John's Gospel, verse 31, there's one sentence there that explains it all. It says, but these were written. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. There it is. It's why John wrote his Gospel. You see, the last verse of the Gospel of John says 
that if all the miracles Jesus had performed were all written down, all the libraries in the world could not contain the amount of volumes that it would take to record all the miracles. In fact, we have about 30-some miracles recorded in the four Gospels. Of the 30-some, John only lists seven. The other four Gospels share a lot of information, or the other three Gospels. In fact, Mark only has 7% of his Gospel that is only information gained from reading Mark's Gospel. The other Gospels don't do a whole lot better, but you come to John's Gospel, and unlike Mark with only 7% of original material on Jesus Mark's Gospel, 92% is unique to John's Gospel. You don't get it in any of the other Gospel accounts. There's more just identifying the particulars of Jesus' life. But these I have written for a particular reason. You see, the Bible is the recorded history of God interacting in our world that we can count on. Unlike other world religions, Christianity is not based on a philosophy. Jesus was not a philosopher. He was a good teacher. He was a morally, moral leader. He was a miracle worker. But Christianity is not based on a philosophy. It's based on history, historic events particularly the event that we're about to focus on this morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that one day on this earth, and I was there two weeks ago, less than 50 miles from where Jesus rose from the dead. I was in Jordan just knowing that I walked where Jesus walked, that our team saw where Jesus was baptized, those historic landmarks that are preserved to today teach that Christianity is rooted in history. So these are written, preserved historic events to highlight one particular thing, That Jesus is the Christ. It's interesting that every gospel teaches that Jesus was fully God and fully man. But John's gospel does more to elevate and explain how we know that Jesus was God. You see, as I visit people, Thousands of neighbors around our church. It's one of my favorite things to do. I come home and Sherry says, Honey, I can tell you've had a great day. Oh, I've been out visiting. I can be totally flat. I can feel miserable. But get me out in the neighborhood. Knocking on doors and like, I come alive. I've never been out there once that I don't say, This is what I was made for. And... I ask people, who do you think Jesus is? 
O. Yesu. We believe in Yesu. I said, um, tell me about your Yesu. Oh, a great man. Miracle worker. Great teacher. We're, we're Muslim. We believe in Yesu. I said, do you believe that Jesus was crucified and buried? No, Jesus did not die. I said, then we're talking about a different Jesus. There are Hindus. Oh, what do you, who do you think Jesus is? Oh, Jesus is a great person. He's, he's a great God. He's a great God. Hindus. Our neighbors. He's a great God. Oh yes, we have many gods. We have six million gods and Jesus is a great one. We don't believe in the same Jesus. John wrote so that we might understand that he is not a great God. John wrote his gospel so that none of us can miss the fact that Jesus is the Christ. He's not one of five or ten or fifteen. He is the Messiah. The desired of all nations. No, it's not just Muslims or Hindus that have a problem. You know one of the saddest things as I visit neighbors is to find Catholics and Protestants and church-going people who do not know Jesus. I want us to all understand Believing that Jesus is the Christ is not something, well, if you're born American, that's when you know Jesus is the Christ. This is not for one nation, one people group. This is not whether you're born in Asia or Africa or Latin America or, or in India or Pakistan. This is Jesus. He wasn't born in America. He never even visited America. He was born in the crossroads of the world. Jesus was born in the Middle East. The eyes of the world have never shifted off the Middle East. John wrote so that we might know that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of God. Not just a Son of God, like I'm a Son of God and you're a Son of God or a daughter of God. That's not why John wrote. Oh yeah, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, just like I'm a Son of God. I believe in God. I pay my taxes. I kiss my mother. You know, I'm a good guy. Send her Mother's Day cards. Oh, that's right. I better get a card and send it to my mother. No. no. That's not what John is writing for. In fact, what he's writing for is because he knew that he had a particular assignment that the other three gospel writers did the best they could. The other three gospel writers that wrote 20, 
25 years earlier, they described what was accurate about Jesus. But now that 25 years have passed, John knew he needed to set the record straight because there were some people who did not understand who the real Jesus was. And there were some people that were becoming religious and making following Jesus and going to church a religious thing. And they were completely missing the point. And John said, no, I'm writing so that you understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And by believing, you may have life in His name. Isn't that amazing? Oh good, we get together and celebrate that 2,000 years ago, this guy Jesus rose from the dead. We all go and boy, wasn't that singing? Man, who was that guy? That skinny guy in that pink shirt that blew the roof off. Who was that? That wasn't that wonderful. We all had a great time. No. No. To look back 2,000 years and say, yes, He rose from the dead. That does not necessarily give you anything. That's not why John wrote the Gospel. It's not so that you might know that He rose. He wrote this so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life In His name. That this Jesus who rose might somehow be so known to you that He gives you life now and forever. That's why the Gospel of John was written. Now, there's one of those verses in John that we see all over the place. We see it on football players underneath their eyes. You can hardly see a sporting event when you, you don't see somebody in the crowd with, with this John 3.16. That's, this is the book we're studying. Now, I, I know some people may be upset that, you know, that, that Tim Tebow took the moment in the limelight and put that there. But, but I just want to cut him a little slack. I mean, when, when Jesus gets under your skin, when he, when he changes your life, when you really come to know Jesus, you can't blame somebody for wanting to tell somebody else about it. Now, for every book that we study, we are looking at it from five angles. The first angle is to know the book. We want to get our arms around every book of the Bible And out in the information center, if you haven't picked up yours, I want to encourage you this morning to purchase this little binder and every one of the 13 previous messages that we've preached, 13 different books of the Bible, they're all in there. This is a steal, this little bargain you get here. And then you can stick with us through the rest of the study as we study every book of the Bible. Every week, a whole different book. So get this. But every book we want to get our arms around. Now to understand the whole Gospel of John, it's laid out around seven feasts. The Jewish feasts. Three of them are Passover. 
We would not know that Jesus ministered for three years if it was not for the Gospel of John. It's John's Gospel that has Jesus appearing at three Passovers. Jesus loved Passover. If you've never celebrated Passover, you don't know what you're missing. Jesus loved it. It probably would be a good idea if we loved it. You know why He loved it? Because the whole thing was about Him. You see, at Passover... It's when the Jews would sacrifice an animal and put the blood over their door and the angel of death would pass over their house. And the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And the Bible says that Jesus is the Passover lamb, the one who died once for all. And because of His blood that was shed on the cross, when the angel of death comes, He may take our body, but He can't have our soul. We live forever. Hallelujah. He's the Passover Lamb. It's no wonder He loved it. But that's the whole book of John is centered around the the seven feasts. And you can look at all those. They're in your notes. Then the next thing we look at in every book we study is where is Jesus in this book? Who is Christ? And we've already said that Jesus is the Christ. And not only are there seven feasts in the Gospel of John, there are seven times Jesus uses the words, I am. The Greek is ego emi. There has never been anyone in history who has ever said those words other than Jesus. You can study it. You can go to Emory University and and have them talk to any of their theologians and they will confirm that there's never been anyone in history who has stood up and said, I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And one day, Jesus was talking with Jewish leaders who loved Abraham. Abraham was their father. And Jesus said, you think Abraham's so great? Listen to this. Before Abraham was, I am. Ka-ching! They fell over. They stood back up. And they got stones to throw at Jesus because He had blasphemed. They knew what He was saying. Because the Hebrew word for God, the big one, is Yahweh. It's the, when, when God identified Himself to Moses, He said, Moses said, who should I say I'm, I'm coming in the name of who? Tell him, I am sent you. It's the Hebrew word Yahweh. It means I was, I am, and I will be. And when Jesus stood up and said before Abraham was, I am, he was clearly saying, I am the God Yahweh in the flesh. I was, I am, and I will forever be. That's what I'm talking about. 
Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Now, we're coming down the home stretch here. Seven feasts, seven times Jesus said, I am. And of the 30-some miracles, John only includes, guess how many? Seven. It's like perfect. He turns water into wine. I love this one. I never realized how much wine Jesus made. Now, I don't drink wine. Except when I'm on a 15-hour flight and I can't fall asleep. I'll drink a little wine. But I don't drink wine. But Jesus, you know when they ran out of wine at the wedding? Now listen to this. It says it right there. You can look it up, John chapter 2. It says, they ran out of wine and everybody was starting to get upset. And Jesus said, go fill six jugs of water. Each jug, it says, held 20 to 30 gallons. Oh, did you ever think about this? Now, let's just say, let's split the difference, let's say 25 gallons each, times six, that's 150 gallons. The average bottle of wine, let's call it a liter. There are six, uh, three point something liters per gallon. You do the math, it comes out about 574 bottles of wine Jesus made that day. Oh, he opened a winery. I mean, this was no little Little, turn a, little, a few glasses. Why? Why did he do it? The punchline of the miracle wasn't to satisfy their thirst. The punchline of the miracle was, and the disciples believed. You go to the second miracle. There was a kid who had a high fever. It spiked so high, they thought he was going to die. Jesus said, no problem. He healed him. And everybody in his household believed. You go to the third miracle. There was a guy who hadn't walked for 38 years. He reaches out his hand. Jesus heals his legs. And the paraplegic walks. Why? So that people might believe. Then he feeds 5,000 with a few bagels and locks. And, and, and 5,000 people with 12 basketfuls left over. Why? It says, and many that day believed. And then Jesus walks on water. Why? Because He wanted to take a shortcut? No, so that they might believe. That's the punchline. Of all the words in the Gospel of John, the one that's used 98 times is the word believe. It's the operative word in, Luke's, in, in John's Gospel. And it's because when you believe, amazing things happen. Then Jesus healed somebody else. And then the big one. Lazarus. It's number seven of the miracles in John's Gospel. Lazarus, his friend, died. He was dead for four days. His body was starting to decompose. I, I could let my imagination run wild and get really into that, but I'll just leave it right there. And Jesus said, roll away the stone. Why? He said, Lazarus, come out. Why? And it says, that day many believed. Now you put all those seven together. I'm feeling something coming on here. You put them all together. 
And Jesus said, okay. John's writing this story. And he says, no, okay. He turned water into wine so that people might believe. But, but just in case they didn't get it, he, he healed the guy with the fever so that people would believe. But just in case anybody missed it, he raised the guy who hadn't walked for 38 years. But just in case they missed it, he healed the blind guy. But, but just in case they missed it, he walked on water and he fed the 5,000. And then he raised Lazarus from the dead. But just in case you missed it, this is the, the addendum. After the seven big ones, all so that people would believe. In case that didn't do it for you, Jesus said, it's okay. Wait till you see this. Wait till you see what I'm going to do next. Go ahead and nail me to the cross. Lay me in the tomb. Cover me with 70 pounds of embalming spices. And seal with a Roman seal the large stone over my grave. And watch what I will do. And there are four of the twelve resurrection appearances are in John's Gospel. First to Mary. Then to the disciples without Thomas. Then to the disciples with Thomas. Because Thomas, one of the disciples, he was a disciple. But he still didn't believe. He said, I, I can see in your face, Thomas. You, you're, you're looking at me and you're going, is that really Jesus? Hey, Thomas, come up here. Look at my side. You see that spear where they put the spear into my side? Reach out your hand. Put your, your finger inside the wounds on my hand where they nailed me to the cross. Now do you believe, Thomas? And then he says, blessed are you, Thomas, because you believe because you have seen. But blessed are those even more who believe and have not seen. And then two verses later is the one we're looking at. It's where he says at the end, he says, but these are written that you may believe these miracles. All seven, and then the one big one at the end. So that you might believe that Jesus is not one of many, but He is the Christ. Not one of many, but the Son of God. And these are written, these in particular, including the resurrection so that you might, by believing, have life in His name. Praise God. That's the message of the cross. We see tattooed on ankles. We see on bumpers the fish. The word fish in the Greek language has five letters. It's the word ichthus. And it's the transliteration of the Greek letters. It's I, X, theta, U, S. And what that stands for is what we believe. 
that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son, Savior. And it's all in one verse. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son, and that by believing, you may have life, salvation, in His name. When you die, you, like everyone else who's ever lived, will stand before God. And God will judge you. And on that day, what name will you appeal with to God for your salvation? If you appeal to God in the name of Buddha, Muhammad, Abraham, the Pope, your pastor, your mother, your father, your spouse, the Lord will say that name will not get you in. There is only one name given under heaven to us by which we must be saved. There's only one name that gives us life. It's the name of the One who is life. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. And by believing in that one name, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Me. It's the one name. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. I used to go, when I was growing up, to Easter, to church. I didn't have a clue what it was all about. I remember walking out saying, what was that all about? I remember being five years old and my mother got me up early and walked me up to the sunrise service like at 5 or 6 in the morning. And I'm walking along saying, this better be good. (laughs) And I remember walking back and saying, what was that all about? I didn't have a clue. I was there, but I I wasn't there. My friends, could this be your day when you receive life in Jesus' name? 